I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Welcome to the 141st episode of the Weave Podcast. Sarah here, back one more time in the host seat, this time for a conversation with Tommy Scanlon. Tommy is a well-known tapestry weaver, tapestry teacher, and author of books about tapestry weaving, including The Nature of Things, Essays of a Tapestry Weaver, and her newest book, Tapestry Design, Basics and Beyond. In this conversation, we will discuss how Tommy came to weaving and to teaching, and her inspiration behind writing her latest book about designing tapestries. Hi, Tommy. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I am very glad to be here. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way to weaving? Sure. Um, I am Tommy Scanlon, Tommy McClure Scanlon, and I'm from, uh, I live in Dahlonega, Georgia. Dahlonega is north of Atlanta, about 60 miles. It's in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Um, a lot of people who think about Georgia think about the coast maybe around Savannah or the flat piney uh, area in uh, the central part of the state. But the northern part of the state is mountainous and just beautiful. So this is where I've lived most of my life in the mountains of North Georgia. I grew up just about 40 miles further north of here, closer to North Carolina the western North Carolina area. And when did you find your way to weaving? I started weaving when I was teaching in public school in Gainesville, Georgia in uh, the late uh, 1960s. That ages me, doesn't it? I graduated from college with a uh, art education degree in 1969 and began teaching that fall after I graduated at um, high school in Gainesville. And one of the things my supervising teacher wanted me to do was to teach a weaving unit with my students. And I, the only weaving I'd done before that was potholder looms like most kids do uh, when they're young. And so I didn't know anything about it, but She had shown me about little uh, cardboard weaving where you weave pouches by clipping notches at the bottom and the top and then putting a warp on both sides and weaving all the way around. So I'd I'd done that already and then uh, used a book about off-loom weaving to get some uh, ideas about how you build a frame loom, just a simple frame loom that you put nails at top and bottom and, and put um, thread on then. So that's how I began weaving was because I needed to teach about weaving. And um, all through my weaving life, a lot of what I have learned myself has come because I wanted to teach somebody else about it. So... Um, yeah, I started, started weaving just with simple frame looms as uh, me and my students were figuring it out together. That's such an interesting way of coming to weaving. I've talked to a lot of people about their origins in weaving, and I don't think that's, I, I don't think I've heard that many times that it's through wanting to teach. What was it that made you 
you know, start also doing it in your personal time and at home and really take to weaving and tapestry weaving? That's a wonderful question because my earlier um, life in art making had been with drawing and painting and image making on paper, either, you know, drawing or painting, like I um, said, but also printmaking. But when I got to the weaving side of the world, I fell in love with the process, just the, uh, there's a difference in the activity, I think, of the brain when your hands are engaged in process a little bit more than with making marks on paper or strokes of the brush on paper. Now, I know there may be some people who work with drawing and painting who would argue with me about that, mm-hmm. but the activity of making the object as well as making the image at the same time was um, what began to hook me into weaving. And I did do a lot of other kinds of weaving before I came to tapestry. So process as well as end uh, product uh, began to appeal to me pretty early on. Do you still do other types of weaving or do you mostly stick with tapestry now? I, For most of my work, I stick with tapestry. I do have a floor loom, a Macumber floor loom with eight shafts, and about once or twice a year, I try to weave on that. I call the weaving on my floor loom my hobby weaving because I, I usually am weaving, um, oh, hand towels or scarves, things that I can give away. I, I enjoy the planning and the the process of that kind of weaving as well. But for me, it's a different, it touches a different part of my brain, I guess, and my, and my thought process when I do that weaving as opposed to the tapestry weaving that I usually engage in every day. Hmm. And what kind of tapestry materials and yarn and looms do you like to work with? I like to work with upright floor loom, or upright tapestry looms uh, rather than horizontal floor looms, although a number of tapestry artists do work with uh, horizontal looms and uh, in the traditional Aubusson style, but also some people are working with uh, Maycumber looms or Gilmore looms to do their tapestry work and other looms too, I'm sure. But I like to see the image uh, in front of me in a vertical position in the um, a high warp or the um, upright warp on my tapestry looms. And I've got several looms. I have, I don't think, any looms that are new to me other than looms that I've built myself out of either copper pipe or uh, galvanized pipe, the smaller frame looms that I that I build. But it's, um, yeah, those, and I don't think any of the, uh, yeah, I'm looking around. I don't, none of the looms that I currently have, my upright tapestry looms, none of those are currently being um, manufactured. Hmm. Um, Yeah. It's a shame. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of materials and fibers do you like to work with? I, with my tapestry, I often use cotton seine twine for the warp. 
I have um, two or three sizes that I typically use. Most of the time, my sets for my tapestries are either 8 ends per inch, and for that, I frequently use a 12-9 or a 12-12 cotton seine twine. I use 6 ends per inch frequently on my wider loom that weaves up to 60 inches wide. And for that, I usually use a 12-15 or a 12-18 uh, same twine. I uh, Some tapestry weavers work beautifully with very small threads. Uh, Kathy Todd Hooker especially is one who uses 24 to maybe even 30 threads per inch for her very wow. um, wonderfully intricate tapestries. Um I have uh, a bit of arthritis in my hands, so using my fingers to manipulate anything any smaller than the scale that I work with is a little bit, um, I mean, I can do it, but it's a little bit painful after a while with the way that I use my fingers. And also I can see something slightly larger a little bit, um, a little bit more easily, so... Yeah, so cotton seine twine for warp. For weft, I frequently use wool. I have two or three kinds of wools that I really like a lot. And I'm hoping that there will be a um, nice tapestry yarn coming from uh, just yarns soon that I'm going to like a lot. I've got some samples here that I'm going to try. That's my my next goal on my small Pipe loom, my galvanized pipe loom, is to give those sample yarns a, uh, a good a good workout. They look great, so I think they're going to um, weave up really well. Yes, we are quite excited about it. We're launching our new tapestry yarn uh, later this summer. Um, we're recording right now in July of 2021, and uh, it's been in the works for quite a while, and I'm just so excited to start seeing tapestry weavers playing with it and making making pieces with it so right yeah it's it's a great size i i in my own work i like to bundle up yarns and use several strands together um so even for the eight ends per inch that i work with i like to have more than one weft yarn that i'm using it just gives me a better range of color control so i was excited to see the size of the yarn that you're going to be um you're going to be making available yes yeah we made it designed to be bundled so you recently published two books, and I'm wondering if you could tell us first about the first one, which is The Nature of Things, Epi Essays of a Tapestry Weaver, and what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, I started thinking about doing this book probably in about 2017. I had the fortunate uh, experience to teach at Spring Concentration at Penland School of Craft, along with Bhakti Zeke. We, um, you know Bhakti, I'm, mm -hmm. I know. Um, Bhakti and I taught together that uh, concentration, an eight-week session. And during that time, she and I both at two separate occasions had an um, invitation to speak to a textiles group in Asheville, North Carolina. So when I was preparing my own uh, presentation for that, I finally wrote down my talk for my PowerPoint. 
uh, first time I've ever done that and in the times that I've done presentations about my work over the past number of years, I usually just talk about it because it's my work and I knew what I did when I did it. But for that presentation, I felt like I needed to have my thoughts a little bit more organized. So I, I wrote that out. And in doing that, I realized that I probably could tackle some of those thoughts that I was having sort of in a more brief way in that presentation and explain both to myself and maybe other people a bit more about my motivation and my inspirations for making the tapestries that I do. Um, I, I did call it the nature of things because in the last decade at least, and slightly longer than that, but I can identify in the last decade, my imagery for tapestry has been um, really been focused on the, the world in which I live, this, this natural environment of the North Georgia, Western North Carolina um, mountains, the foothills of the, of the Southern Appalachians. So that's how that began. I, I started with um, uh, thinking I'd like to write a little bit more in depth. I got in touch with some our, uh, author friends who I've made over the years to ask for their advice and uh, with working through their suggestions I began to write and it seemed as I started writing I should probably focus on topics that I um, are themes or whatever you would want to call it types of subjects that I've done in several iterations like stones or um, leaves or feathers or or whatnot. So that uh, began that way. I just started writing. Uh, one of the author friends whose advice I asked for is Nancy Peacock, uh, a wonderful uh, fiction writer. And uh, she said, think about what your overarching theme is. And I thought, well, that is this whole idea about um, why I'm working with the natural world and the inspirations that I'm finding there. So her her advice and her her um, feedback was really important to me as I got started. Did you find as you were writing that book that it impacted what you decided to weave? Like did really deeply thinking that through and writing about it change your artwork? You know, um, I'm not sure if it did. I think that it may have made the thinking about particular subjects um, a little bit more focused on how I would describe later to someone who might be seeing the work something about what I was uh, being inspired by. So I it 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 might have. Uh, and that that's really an interesting question that you've asked because I hadn't thought about it that way. But it, it very well might have engaged my mind with uh, with those subjects in a, a bit of a different way than before. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited last week to receive a copy of your newest book, which is called Tapestry Design Basics and Beyond, Planning and Weaving with Confidence. 
And it's a bit, it's like a, a long book. It's a really in-depth resource that introduces tapestry weavers to tools and concepts about tapestry design and um, leads people through, you know, workshops about it. And I'm curious why you decided to write this book and who you wrote it for. Yeah, it was written for my students. Um, and although I've dedicated it to my husband and, and my mother, who's no longer living, um, it really was written for my students because it wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the students I've taught through the years. And in doing uh, not only my classes when I was at the university, but also the workshops and uh, short classes that I've done since I left my university job, developing handouts to use in those classes and trying to make my ideas as clear as I could, getting feedback from students about things they didn't quite understand or I wasn't making uh, clear enough in my uh, work, my written word to them and, and also my class instruction. That's that's how it started was uh, I had put a lot of time into developing handouts every time I'd teach even the same topic uh, somewhere else, I'd revise what I'd written before. And uh, at first, I was giving my PDFs of those away after I had uh, decided I wouldn't teach quite as much. And I uh, then thought, I've worked a lot on getting these materials together. Maybe I'll contact um, a publisher and see if, if there would be some interest in having a book uh developed from those. So I was lucky that Schiffer uh, pub, uh, Publishing was interested in that, and that's how that started. Um, I've said elsewhere that I kind of thought this would be just a revision of my handouts, and that would be pretty much it. Well, I got a... <laughs> a um, right away, I realized, no, that's not going to turn out uh, to just to be an easy task. So I revised everything that I had done and added a lot of uh, additional information uh, that I thought would be pertinent to somebody who might be thinking about using this book as a, as a resource. And that's, that's what I would hope it would be, would be a resource. I also um, was able to, through my involvement with tapestry, I've, I know a lot of tapestry artists around the country and a, a few elsewhere in the world. So I uh, wanted to use examples of wonderful tapestries that uh, showed how the elements and the principles of art and design are um, applicable in a tapestry in the tapestry medium. So I contacted a number of people about using their work as examples. And everyone I contacted was so gracious to allow me to use their work. And I, I really wish I could have included just many, many more people um, than I, <clears throat> excuse me, than I did. But it was, it was, um, I, I think that makes the book really the best. Uh, I think that's the best feature of the book really is the examples um, from the artists who uh, were allowing me to use their work in the book. And it is it is a focus on elements and principles of art 
and design, and then how uh, one working in the tapestry medium could interpret it with the processes that that you know about tapestry. But at the same time, I would think that maybe somebody um, working with art quilt or uh, rug hooking or any other uh, fiber medium might find some of the ideas about the elements and principles um, to be of interest to them too. Yeah. So beginner tapestry weavers are, as you know very well, I'm sure, working hard to master the techniques of of weaving, um, but also, you know, learning the right ways to think about designing pieces that express what they want to express. And I'm curious what you find design-wise that beginner tapestry weavers struggle with most and what advice you give them. Yeah, I th- I think from what I've seen um, in my own workshops, uh, I think that beginners struggle most with the image that they want to make. They not necessarily finding what image they want to make. They may come with some idea in mind um, that they want to weave this flower or this uh, landscape that has this house and this garden in it. And they have not yet gotten to the point, perhaps, that they can analyze how many warp threads is it going to take to weave the smallest thing, the smallest image that I've got in my, in my design. And will my design adapt to the constraints of the medium, which is a grid? And if you're making something curving... Uh, It's actually going to be created by making a series of stair steps that move away and then other yarn move against those stair steps. So getting your mind wrapped around, oh, this picture of this sunflower that I want to do uh, on a four inch wide warp really isn't going to work quite as successfully because I'm using... Uh, a wider set, or I just don't have enough warp threads to make the um, succession of stair steps that I would need to make that curving of the of the pedal um, look convincing to oneself. So, <clears throat> having um, experience with doing sampling of basic uh, things like making shapes move diagonally or making shapes move in a more curving kind of way, even though that might seem a little bit uh, or maybe a lot boring. I think it's a good idea if you're mindfully doing it to uh, do that kind of exercise, even if you haven't been to a workshop, to maybe set yourself up a goal of let me try different angles How would I step back each time? Um, How many warps would I leave before I turn and make my uh, turnaround to make a particular kind of angle? How would I weave a 45 degree angle? How would I weave one that was was lower than that or or steeper than that? So um, When I was studying with Archie Brennan, one of the exercises in a a basic class he taught was to weave a curving shape. 
And he made a point when he gave us a diagram of the curving shape that this is not a circle. Um, sometimes people come to tapestry thinking, I want to weave a circle. Um, circular forms are, are a challenge to weave. But his point was, understand what you need to do as you um, as you turn your wefts and go back the other direction to make a convincing uh, curve. And then once you understand that, then you can begin to work with other um, uh, imagery like a circle, let's say, if you did for some reason want to weave a circle. So that's a long answer, uh, Sarah, to say it it sort of depends, but um, I think the biggest challenge is that people maybe jump in with images that they haven't yet fully understood um, the limits of the technique. As a beginner tapestry weaver myself, that resonates with me a lot as I have been <laughs> trying to figure out how to weave different kinds of images. So that yeah. makes sense that that's what other people struggle with. Right. And, um, you know, zooming in, enlarging, weaving a portion of um, rather than trying to fit the whole sunflower in. Um, I'm picking on poor sunflowers here, but uh, um, until you... And you really do, just as you know, with any skill, you have to do it a lot to feel that it flows from your hands in a way that you're not constantly thinking through every motion that you're doing, every every part of that. So sometimes one sets oneself up to be discouraged <clears throat> by making those um, images too complex too soon and not understanding that you you do have limits with tapestry it's it's really wide open in the ways that you can make images but you do have limits um, so once you once you make friends with those limits and say okay limits um, what can you and I do together rather than um, saying I'm gonna I'm going to conquer this no matter what, then I think, um, I think you're on the road to becoming a real uh, a, a tapestry artist who can weave anything she wants to or he wants to. That's and a really I'm still good struggling. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm interrupting you there. No, I mean, that's a really good point. It's actually what I, makes me want to ask you next of what are the limits that you most appreciate about tapestry weaving and what are the limits that you still struggle with the most yourself? I struggle every day I sit down to weave, weave tapestry, um, Sarah. I really do. Um, the limits are exactly what I'm talking about. I've got a shape that I want to put within this uh, number of warp threads and I know that I'm going to have to compromise with the edge of the shape in some way. Uh, so what's the best compromise that I can make to make the shape pleasing to my eye um, and also to allow the shape to settle right in to the, to the uh, warp set that I've got and the wefts that I'm using with it. So I don't take out a lot of 
what I put into the weaving, but I do sometimes do that uh, if I'm not happy with what's happening um, with a little area, I will take it out. But that's another issue that sometimes I think that people maybe are too hard on themselves about. I've heard people say, I'm such a perfectionist. I, I really rip it out and put it back in and rip it out and put it back in. Well, I I don't think that you should, uh, I don't think that anyone ought to beat themselves up over making every part of it exactly as perfect as they could ever possibly make it. Um, I think you get locked into some frustration by doing it that way. Um, I have this, this little saying I use that's practice um, doesn't make perfect, it makes better. So the more you weave, the better you'll get, the better you get the easier whatever challenges you have are are going to become yeah it's definitely true so you you have a lot of experience teaching people who are new to tapestry weaving and i'm curious what resources you recommend for people to start with who don't have access to a local tapestry weaving teacher in their area and also what kind of equipment or homemade equipment and materials you recommend they start with yeah um there are several good good books about tapestry weaving um the newest one is rebecca mazoff's book um the art of tapestry weaving and it's available um through story publishing and other booksellers her book was published last um year in 2020 and um it's just a great resource rebecca also has online classes and she's been doing those for a number of years now and uh those those are quite good as well um there are other books uh Joanne Soroka's book about tapestry weaving uh, is quite good. I don't have it sitting right here beside me, so I, I can't tell you the um, title right offhand. But um, also, Kathy Todd Hooker has several books. Uh, her Tapestry 101 book is full of um, uh, technique, technical information, uh, good diagrams, and... Um, that's that's uh, another good book. Um, Carol Russell, a number of years ago, published a book, uh, the Tapestry Handbook, and then it was re um, redone on several years later. That's a great instruction book as well. Online, like I said, Rebecca Mazoff uh, has online classes. Uh, Kanita Tully is beginning to do some online. Uh, classes about design. I'm not sure if, if those are up and available yet. I have not checked out any uh, YouTube things about uh, learning about tapestry, so I can't I can't say how those are. And I know there's a lot of um, stuff out there. Uh, as far as equipment goes, uh, you can easily build yourself a small frame loom with uh, galvanized pipe and uh, you could use copper pipe as Archie Brennan's um, uh, pipe loom instructions show. 
Archie Brennan is no longer living, but his pipe loom uh, diagrams and instructions for building those are both on the American Tapestry Alliance website and also on the website uh, that's still Archie Brennan and Susan Martin Maffei, uh, I believe that's that's true. Uh, if you did an online search, Archie Brennan Pipe Loom, it would take you to um, uh, to wherever you could find the diagrams for that. A number of years ago, Sarah Sweat did uh, a great blog article about a blog post about her galvanized pipe looms, and it's her blog is called A Field Guide to Needlework. So if you looked, um, did a search for Sarah Sweat and galvanized pipe looms, you would um, come across that uh, pretty quickly. On the market, as far as buying a loom, uh, Merrick's Looms has looms of all sizes. Um, there are, uh, I think, a couple of smaller looms through Glamocra, and then Schacht has their new Aras or Aras tapestry loom that's available. That's a that's a tabletop loom. I haven't used one yet. I'm interested to see it in person, but um, I think Rebecca Mazoff has one and has has been using it and maybe making some comments about it at her blog. So um, those are those are a few of the resources that I can think of just quickly that would get a beginner started. And where can people go to learn more about you and your work and to order your books? Yeah, uh, my book, The uh, Tapestry Design Basics and Beyond, is available through Schiffer Publishing and through other booksellers. I've heard through word of mouth that maybe the Woolery has it. Uh, I think possibly Merex Looms has it available. I don't know about any of the other yarn stores, but I think that they could probably... Um, order it for you. Uh, the craft store at John C. Campbell Folk School has the both of my books available at the craft store uh, for walk-in purchase, but you could also uh, get in touch with the John C. Campbell Folk School craft shop uh, to order one, and it could be sent to you. I've um, Other booksellers uh, online have the book available as well. And um, I, both of them, The Nature of Things was published by uh, the University of North Georgia Press, but it's available through other booksellers. Well, Tommy, I really appreciate you taking the time to write these books and to share about them and talk them to me today. I'm wondering, before we finish this conversation, if you have any more closing advice or words of wisdom that you would want to share with weavers out there. Yeah, Um Weave every darn day. <laughs> it's uh, uh, it, it learning to weave tapestry can't be done in your in your mind only. Uh, your mind helps, but it is a process that engages your 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 eyes and your thinking and your hands. So the more you weave, the better you'll get. The more you weave, the more ideas will come to you. So, you know, weave every every darn day. Don't get discouraged. Keep it up. Do it a lot. That's my advice. That is great advice. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you. 
I appreciate it very much. That's a wrap. To see photos of Tommy's work, a link to her website, and links to her books, please visit www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen 141. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com slash episode hyphen 141. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Weave podcast. We will have another episode for you in a few weeks. And until next time, happy weaving!